Hello and welcome to a video game odyssey, I'm your host Fergus Pearson and today I'll be reviewing Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, but before we get to that let's have a brief synopsis of the game. Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword is an adventure game available on the Wii. The game takes around 40 hours to complete and has a moderate fixed challenge level, based on testing a player's combat skills, puzzle solving ability, logic and manipulation of elaborate 3D environments. The game shares themes, lore, mechanics and iconography with other games in the series, though the narrative remains self-contained and welcoming to newcomers. This game is noted for its heavy emphasis on Wii Motion Plus. Skyward Sword is a very unusual game in the Zelda series. It is both the series' most fluid and most rigid game to date. This contrast is most prolific in the game's central mechanic, the use of the Wii Remote to mimic protagonist Link's sword movements. The ability to make precise jabs and slices at obstacles is liberating, instant and kinetic. However, this then creates a more methodical pace to combat as foes all too quickly predict and block the player's attacks. They are then greeted with foes with smaller windows of vulnerability, electrified weaponry that sees Link's life meter decrease for incorrect timing, and a noticeable increase in foes per area. While sword strikes are fluid, the frequency of sword fights can become tedious, and occasionally Link can feel unresponsive. Outside of combat, the titular Skyward Sword again sees itself trapped between fluidity and rigidity. Having a constant in Link's arsenal be used for puzzle solving in the guise of easily performed spin attacks and skyward strikes is refreshing and emits needless inventory swapping. Yet this then works to shrink the possibility of puzzle solutions, as the most common and then Pavlovian response is to jiggle the sword around, turning small environmental puzzles from brief taste vignettes into uninspiring stopgaps. Unfortunately, Many other new additions to the Zelda formula fall short of expectation. Skyward Sword introduces a crafting system, but then makes the user interface needed for gathering and managing resources for crafting feel cumbersome. Similarly, when navigating the world map, Link does so through his trusted Loftwing, a mythical bird that has an impressive sense of motion and is adept for aerial combat and action sequences. And yet, the player is only ever asked to fly their bird from one blanket of vacant sky to the next. There is, however, one design choice that has been implemented fantastically and brings some much needed urgency and variety to Link's movement, the introduction of the stamina bar. At first, the stamina bar allows Link to sprint and hop up small objects, and the new sense of motion feels pleasing, if a bit overdue. Then, this same stamina bar is used as a grip gauge, allowing Link to propel himself across large climbing areas at the cost of depleting stamina. Optimal routes through both horizontal and vertical planes are quickly devised by the player, so as to create long strings of uninterrupted sprinting and vaulting. Better still, these time-saving skills are then scrutinised as the Silent Realm is introduced, 
a series of challenges that rework familiar environments into eerie and stressful stealth confederant collector fonts that examine both one's spatial understanding of intricate environments and mastery of Link's newfound agility. However, the stamina bar has also informed other aspects of Skyward Sword's design with less success. Link's proclivity for climbing and ability to scale small obstacles has allowed for a more vertical-centric approach to level design. Ascending mountains, spirals, banks and the like does give an excellent excuse to contemplate the series' newfound painterly aesthetic, seeing landmarks in the distance rendered with a distinct softness. Though it's all for naught, when a misjudged jump sends Link cascading down two-thirds of a vertical plane. It is a good thing then that there are several pathways of these large structures, both staving off familiarity whilst also compensating for how few locations Link actually gets to explore. Fiery cliffs, vast deserts and vibrant woodlands are all staple settings in a Zelda game, and while their depiction here is certainly memorable and often well plotted, they are nonetheless somewhat thematically pedestrian. This, in turn, isn't helped by how often these areas are recycled. While the woodlands and deserts double up as underwater vistas and futuristic factories respectively, a sense of exploration and wonder is lost with each revisit of an old locale. This feeling is then bolstered when the player realises that, this time around, there is very little opportunity or reward for walking off the beaten path, aside from a few instances that, upon completion, feel a little too signposted to feel truly satisfying. Furthermore, the narrative mirrors the setting's iterative and awfully linear nature. Justification for Link to retread his steps are almost always dull and lend the game's plot a sense of predictability that clouds the middle part of the game. Similarly, Skyward Sword, as an origin story of the Zelda timeline, means the plot is a slave to its own lore, allowing few moments of suspense or urgency. However, the one instance in which the story does shine is in its use of characters. Zelda has some agency in the plot and works to humanise our hero, Groose has an intriguing character trajectory, and Skyloft, the game's main town, has a sprinkling of humorous and well-animated residents. For some players though, most of what has been discussed so far is merely dressing to the gameplay centrepiece of any Zelda game, its dungeons. Dungeons are 90 minute or so long labyrinths that introduce and develop a sequence of battle, puzzle and environmental mechanics that orbit around a unique theme. Thankfully, in these sections of the game, rigid design choices are traded out for a broad and inspiring creative palette. Specific details have been omitted here so as to keep the game's biggest surprises unspoilt, but rest assured Skyward Sword has the billing for the most thematically pronounced, beguiling and varied sequence of dungeons to grace any Zelda game. In fact, in Skyward Sword it seems the flatter the narrative is falling, the harder the dungeons seem to be compensating, always utilising new items, equipment and mechanics whilst building ones already learned. This momentum is kept until the game plateaus two-thirds in with a gaming vocabulary that feels both distinct to Skyward Sword and yet complementary to the Zelda lineage.
Skyward Sword is at odds with itself, fluid in design yet rigid in execution. Rewards from side quests and loot hunting are too disconnected from a Link who traverses land, sea and air with deserved ease and instancy. When the game dishes out clever and economically designed dungeons, the bloated bits in between just seem to weigh the game's pacing down. Designers create characters that are relatable and memorable within mere seconds, and yet still handle plot with long text dumps. Taken as the sum of its parts, Skyward Sword demonstrates talented, intelligent design choices, restraint, craft, and an innate sense of wonder. However, taken as an entire experience, the game is marred by a handful of anachronistic and underdeveloped mechanics that work in tandem with one another to slightly undermine the joy spent with each visit to the game making Skyward Sword feel less special overall. Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword gets a 6 out of 10. A 6 represents a game I would likely recommend to fans of the genre or series. This has been Fergus Pearson for A Video Game Odyssey, thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you next week for another review.